Technicolor Jesus is brought to you in partnership with The Christian Century, a magazine for progressive church leaders. Hey everyone, welcome to Technicolor Jesus, where we talk movies and pop culture with an eye for pastors, preachers, and Sunday school teachers. My name is Matt, and I'm the pastor at University Presbyterian Church in Austin, Texas. And I'm Adam, and I'm a scholar, minister, and writer in Pennsylvania. This is not a normal episode for us. We're not talking about one movie today. There's no guest. We just want to talk about last night's Academy Awards, and we want to wrap up 2017 a little bit. So, Adam, big question. Did you watch the awards? What did you think? I did. Um... Besides Kobe Bryant winning an Academy Award, which hurt me in ways that I didn't expect, um, I thought that they were pretty good. I, I didn't have a lot of problems. Um, if anything, I think the, the the most interesting question is is the Best Picture category because I thought that this this year was a particularly strong. Actually, I thought there was a number of good movies that were nominated for the Academy Award in Best Picture. Um, but I'm I'm still a little confused about why The Shape of Water became such a sort of force and why everyone decided that perhaps this was the best movie of the year. It's one of those years where, Matt, I, I wished they were like um, like the Baseball Hall of Fame, where they they told you how close the, the vote was. Right. Because I'd be really interested to see how close this year's vote was be- between three movies, I think. I think... This movie, Get Out, and Lady Bird were probably the three most, uh, in the, the the movies that had the the three most votes. But I want to see sort of how close they were. Did you see all the nominees? No, I didn't see everything. So I managed to get everything except Call Me by Your Name, um, which I think I would love, but just haven't had a chance to sit down with, and it's not available for rental yet. Here's what I think: the the best picture voting doesn't is not a winner take all vote. They do this like complicated ranked sorting thing where yeah. if you if 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 you uh, don't get to fifty percent on a first ballot, then they take the last place movie and they apportion all of its second place all those ballots to their second place vote, and it kind of works its way up the system until someone gets to fifty percent. So here's my theory. My theory is that Shape of Water is kind of everybody's number two movie. And you had a lot of folks, maybe number three, you had a lot of folks who were voting Get Out. I think you also probably had a lot of folks who were voting Three Billboards, which had a lot of cred earlier in the award season. I don't think you had a lot of folks who were voting for Get Out and Three Billboards as their one and two. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that makes Uh, sense. And so I think you had a lot of probably some votes where Get Out was number one and Three Billboards was at the bottom or close to it. And probably some votes where it was the other way around. And once that all gets tallied through, the winner is going to end up being the kind of consensus number two or three. And I bet Shape of Water is that is exactly that spot. Uh, I, I liked I liked Shape of Water. I um it was fine. I did I didn't love it, but I also like I don't want to belittle it too much because I do think there's there's something kind of cool about the um. The, the fact that like a sci-fi fantasy about a mute woman falling in love and having like explicit sex with an aquatic God. <laughs> and we all kind of pretend that that's the safe choice. 
like the fact that that's the safe choice i think is kind of telling uh no it is and i and i i I agree i i don't have a problem with a world where shape of water wins if that makes sense right i like I, i i still have a problem with the world where crash wins yeah sure I don't have a problem with the world where Shape of Water wins because I do think it is. It's working. It's a strange movie in its own way, and it's a strange Best Picture winner. And for that reason, I, I like its its place within the sort of larger canon of the Academy Awards. Um, it, it's stylish in a way that um, that a lot of these movies aren't. It doesn't have that sort of Oscar prestige that sometimes gets. Um, placed on movies that are that get super shiny or have to tell some big story about like world history um it's this, it's telling a small movie it's trying to make some big uh conclusions whether or not it does i think is another question um but i like that it it exists as a best picture winner the question is is i i don't i don't think i'm ever going to watch it again um and if it's on i'm not sure that like i'm all that interested in 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 giving it another shot or if there's there's not a scene that i want to watch again if that makes sense yeah it does i think i would probably watch it again i think if it came on the tv in front of me i probably wouldn't wouldn't turn it away uh, but like you know it, if it had been if i had been the only voter uh i would have been torn between get out and Lady Bird and and a part of me that really loved phantom thread even as kind of untimely as it was compared to some of the other ones but i i you know but i'm fine with shape of water i just really didn't want three billboards to win and i'm on the record on this show of of really 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 not wanting darkest hour to win and so i'm 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 more happy that those lost frankly than i am with any particular victor well and i think maybe 15 years ago dunkirk gets a gets a little bit more opportunity yeah dunkirk is a weird movie in its own right like it is not the movie that steven spielberg would make with that same set of events sure and i i think we kind of forget how how odd it is and its storytelling choices um i would have been totally fine if that had won but i don't don't think that was ever particularly likely so i mean given that i'm as i was looking at the the movies again the thing with shape of water that that's a little hard for me is that i think like so this aquatic sea monster god uh i i I think del toro does mythology really well i don't think he does theology really well um because his questions of like ultimate purpose always feel a little flat to me in all of his movies um i love watching his movies i think they're really stylish and interesting but ideas of like love acceptance power they all get some time in shape of water but they never really fully feel enfleshed um, they seem sort of wrapped in gauze, and they're they're really interesting to look at. But but I I left not feeling like I had a, a a true handle on any of that, as opposed to someone like Paul Thomas Anderson, who gets a little overly obsessed with his thematic material. Sure. Like uh, it, it, and then on the other hand, if Del Toro is a little thin, his is too thick. It gets really weedy, and it's and that's good at times because he, he creates these very, I think there will be blood for instance, is a, is a monument. It'll, people will be watching that movie and studying it for a very long time. And there'll be something to study. Um, but the flip side of that is that it gets super dense 
and it's really hard to just like watch and be a part of. Um, and so that's why I thought like Greta Gerwig's vision was, was perhaps the best movie of the year is because it was, it was finely tailored. It knew what it wanted to say and told the story. in I think a really inventive and innovative way. So I thought Greta Gerwig's movie was the best Matt. but, um, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little exercise with you right okay. now. Okay. All right. These are the, I'm going to give you best picture nominees for the decade. And you, off the top of your head, I don't want you to think about it. I just want you to tell me what lasts. Okay. Like, which which movie lasts? Because what won the Academy Award is not the thing that's going to last. And I think that something similar for this year is going to happen. But this is 2010. Okay. okay? Sure. Quick. Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are All Right, The King's Speech, 127 Hours, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, Winter's Bone. Which of those movies last uh black swan social network toy story three no i mean okay. in a kid's library sure but not in not in critical work okay 2011 the artist the descendants extremely loud and incredibly close i can't even believe that that's on there the help hugo midnight in paris moneyball the tree of life warhorse anything tree of life to be sure perhaps moneyball maybe moneyball yeah. moneyball's a tight film okay 2012 Amore, Argo, Beast of the Southern Wild, Django Unchained, Les Miserables, Life of Pi, Lincoln, Silver Linings Playbook, Zero Dark Thirty. Not much. Maybe Zero Dark just because of the kind of historical moment of it. Right. Lincoln, In if you're into Daniel Day Lewis, right? right? If you're in a Spielberg class, sure. Okay. 2013, American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, Her, Nebraska, Philomena, 12 Years a Slave, The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, Her... And maybe 12 Years a Slave and maybe Wolf of Wall Street in the same kind of historical moment bit. 2014, American Sniper, Birdman, Boyhood, Grand Budapest Hotel, Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, Whiplash. Um, Boyhood and Grand Budapest, I think, both have longevity. Uh, If Damien Chazelle becomes a true force, Whiplash. Whiplash, yeah. Uh, 2015, The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, Room, Spotlight. I mean, Mad Max, I think, just because it's by far the best action movie of the decade. Um, The Martian might just get, like, populist viewing on TNT for the next hundred years. I mean, there's there's no depth to it, but man, the surface is so good. Yeah, you can can bounce in and out of that movie really easily. 2016. Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, Moonlight. I mean, I think Moonlight and I think Arrival, to be sure. Arrival? Yeah, I love Arrival. And I, th- I think it's got some sci-fi chops that are going to stick around a little bit. And La La Land? No. No. I think La La Land goes down as a historical footnote of that time they screwed up the Oscars. <laughs> right right so i mean given given the same criteria for this year what what lasts get out get out right it has to be get out right okay given what we think is going to last because i agree with most of what everything you said are any of those the best picture winners so king speech no the artist no that's a that's a stain yeah argo uh, no 12 years of slave maybe yeah 
Birdman. Nope. Uh, no. Spotlight. Mm. It's the best no. one you've talked about so far, but I'm not sure. Yep. You know, I'm not sure it ever quite supplants all the president's men as like the defining journalism movie. And so then what is its what is its historical shadow? I'm not sure. And then finally Moonlight. Yeah. Which does. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting to see like the shape and the scope of the Academy changing. Maybe um, going forward, we, we get more Moonlight, more, more best picture winners are going to adhere to sort of, I think our strange criteria of, of lastingness. Yeah, well, it, it does not feel like the Academy that voted for King's Speech is the same Academy that voted last night for Shape of Water. Yeah, I think so. I, that's my sense. It just feels that's intuitively like things are changing. Um, and I think for the better. Uh, absolutely. So let me ask you this. As you think back, I mean, you talked a little bit about this with Shape of Water and your sense that it wasn't quite as theologically rich as you wanted it to be. As you think back on 2017, Oscar nominees or otherwise, what was the movie that kind of struck you as having the most theological soil? See, that's an interesting question. I, um, I thought Wonder Woman was really good. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I thought I like I loved watching that movie, and I thought it was actually trying to deal really with some interesting themes, albeit in this very uh, genre convention form. Uh, I the way that it was dealing with responsibility, the way that it was just dealing with like it had a theological anthropology, and I think that that was aided by the fact that you know Wonder Woman herself is like some demigod or minor deity and therefore had to think about sort of in what way do does purpose and um, our own particular nature or sinfulness meet the, the plans and purposes of God. Right. And I thought that they did a pretty good job with that. Actually. Um, I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. I know that that's not on your list of things to see. No, it's not. Um, but the way that it talked about fear huh. um, and the ways in which fear personifies in these sort of extra material ways was really interesting. And um, and fear as and community as the thing that saves us from death was was valuable. It, it also had something to say about the, sort of the way our culture sacrifices children in any number of different ways. And that was, I thought, well done. How about you? Uh, it's it's a little fresh on my mind because we just watched it, but I've been thinking about Coco a lot, the new Pixar movie. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it. I wanted to check it out. It's it's in a weird Venn diagram where I, I think like for my kid, it feels like, and I, I did not watch it with him. It feels like you know, he's six. It feels like some of the iconography and some of the visuals of that film would probably be a little much. Like I think he would be a little scared by it. Um, and I would have a hard time picturing a movie theater full of kids watching this movie uh, unless they were already really steeped in kind of the visual iconography of the Day of the Dead. Uh, mm -hmm. But like, it's a really interesting movie when it's talking about um, remembrance and legacy and uh, and the kind of theological understandings of the afterlife where when you die, yeah. you go to this city where everyone else who was dead is also hanging out there for as for as long a time as they are remembered by somebody who is still alive. Huh. And so the stakes of the film are to the degree to which your family 
that you have that that has survived you still remembers you and honors your memory uh i have some theological objections to that as someone who believes that god remembers us regardless of who we are and how well connected we are and and how big our families were and how much they loved us i mean i think it's a hard movie for folks who have broken families or serious family problems to watch and feel comfortable with but i think it does really interesting things with memory care and so i would love to be in a kind of theologically resonant conversation about this movie with folks who deal with um, Alzheimer's and dementia and kind of advanced memory issues yeah. because that's where I think this movie for Christians and in, especially in kind of Christian pastoral care circles would have a lot of, of interesting things to say. Right. That's interesting. I mean, a movie that was built ostensibly for young people is probably best thought about by the aging. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And by those who are in relationships with people who are nearing the end of their lives. That's where this movie, I think, has the most traction. Let me ask you another question, because those are movies that we would be interested in. Right. What movie did you look at and think, okay, this is going to get referenced the most in sermons? So I hate this question because I have kind of a cynical answer to it. (laughs) But my cynical answer to it, and it's because I've already heard it referenced in a sermon, my cynical answer is Darkest Hour. Um, Oh, really? um, Because... Uh, especially because it has it has that kind of quoted bit about how Churchill um, weaponized the English language and send it into battle. And that line, I think, will be beloved by so many of the preachers that I know and so many of the kind of establishment preachers that I know. And I can see it being used and hammered over and over and over again. And and, beca- and and because I think there will be a presumption, I could at least see it in kind of institutional mainland church circles where I swim, that this is a movie that people will have seen. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the key, right? It, it can't be the movie that no one's seen. It has to have some right some sort of presence in the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, I mean, and that's that may be, you know, maybe if maybe if I had brought in my circle a little bit, I mean, I think Wonder Woman certainly has the capacity to do that. Some of that same work. Uh, um, because it will have it has so much uptake uh, and and can work iconographically really quickly without you having to walk through a long scene of something. But my cynical answer is Darkest Hour. So what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think I well, I think Last Jedi is going to be in a part of this conversation um, because it 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 checks off the cultural zeitgeist box. But it also, as we talked about in a previous podcast, the um, the questions of who you are and where you come from and how that matters to people, I think, is um, is an appropriate theme for um, for a current time. Um, and I could I can I can see like the lectionary hitting Ruth or something like that. And we getting a lot of Star Wars references, especially yeah. the most the most recent one. Um, I just I feel like the Hollywood's obsession with the superhero movie right now, and well, obsession its basic business model is built upon a superhero. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, is uh, has lent itself to some better, like some interesting examples of of people who could be used in a sermon. Um, but at the same time, I feel like the presence of more superheroes and like 
now like a whole different range of superheroes like who can like who are have demigods and it's 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 becoming cluttered and i wonder if like the next the next thing that we're going to get is like more talk about war movies from the pulpit or something like that akin to what you were saying earlier with uh with the darkest hour hmm. What about what about for you? What of the movies you watched this year are you most likely to to bring into a homiletical moment? Um, I think I'd probably uh, I'd probably talk about Lady Bird actually. Hmm. How so? Uh, there's a couple moments in that movie that I think are really valuable. Um, I think Greta Gerwig understands the power of place, and I'm not sure that that's talked about a lot in churches. And it's something that I've been thinking a lot about, which is, um, for instance, we're we're on the cusp of Palm Sunday now, and I just keep thinking about what is what is Jerusalem, you know, like, and, w- and what does it mean to Jesus this place, and what does it mean to all of these people? Jerusalem looms so large, both symbolically and physically, in the lives of the um, of of the Jewish people in the ancient Near East. And um, what I love about Lady Bird is that it's ostensibly a movie about a mother and a daughter, and they're working out themselves. But it also has this deep affection and love for Sacramento. Right. And by the end of the movie, Lady Bird is figuring out the ways in which Sacramento has shaped her and how its geography and its landscape and um, has created her in a way that was um, that has prepared her to land in New York, for instance. And um, and I just keep thinking about that a lot as as I think about how Jerusalem has shaped all of these people, whether it's. David basically building Jerusalem on the bones of a Jebusite city or, um, or Jesus uh, coming back to Jerusalem and standing there and overlooking it as he's about to enter it and feeling that sort of well of affection and emotion that comes from knowing a city really well. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of been rattling in my brain recently. How about you? So at the risk of bothering you a little bit or at the side benefit of bothering you a little bit, <laughs> I actually think the practical answer to this for me is Shape of Water. Uh, and, I, and I think partially it's because, because it's now one best picture, this movie will have a lot of uptake. So it's something I feel like I can all be able to reference or talk about relatively easily. And I think what I love about this movie, and I'm going to spoil it pretty heavily here. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, you may want to skip ahead a couple of minutes. But I think what I love most about this movie for preaching is the very end. Uh, yeah. When the marks of the, the, the kind of scars on her neck transform into gills once she dives into the water. Um, uh-huh. and, and can go be with her love. And there is something really powerful about the idea of um, how being loved turns our wounds into something that um, sustains us. Uh, that, yeah. that, that being loved knows our wounds and our broken places and does something beautiful and life-giving with them. And I think that moment... Uh, I wouldn't preach on it immediately because I don't want to spoil it immediately. But I think whatever the statute of limitations on on film spoilers from the pulpit is after that expires, I think there's a lot of 
there's a lot of soil there for a, a helpful illustration about the way that we're known and the way that God calls us even with our scars and our wounds. Uh, so that's that's what I would linger with. Yeah, I mean, the different vision of healing, right? Yeah. It's it's not a it's not a repair to what we once were. Right. It's a it's a it's a regeneration into something new. Right. Which is which is different, you know, it's a different like I think a Christian vision of 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 redemption calls for something more than just re- returning us to where we were. Right. And it's it's the in Jesus Christ you are a new creation, right? There's something <laughs> there's something in there um that I think could be helpful. Oh, that's good, Matt. That's that's you've you've convinced me. It's good. <laughs> Um, I could see using a few other things. I mean, I had some also rants for this. One of my favorite movies of the year was I, Tanya, um, and didn't get the best picture nod, um, or the nomination, but I could see using that just to get it like characters in scripture who are more complicated than they first appear. Uh, and the way in which that movie does is such a, does such a beautiful job of humanizing without deifying Tanya Harding and with leaving things very uncertain even as it is convinced that the kind of cardboard cutout villainy that she is given by 90s media coverage is not fair. And I, I think there's something in there about how we reclaim characters from text. I also think there's, there's, there's something in Big Sick about, uh, about being at the bedside and doing pastoral yeah. care. Uh, and there's something in the post about truth. Um, I think all of those have some, have some good handrails for us to grab onto. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think those work really well. I, I I've talked a little bit about Logan and the sort of uh, its its vision of sacrifice right. and um, and ancestors and, and sort of regeneration as a uh, as an idea, which I I really like. Well, that's that's about going to wrap up 2017 for us, Adam. Uh, it was a good year for movies, and I'm, I'm it was a good year. I'm I'm looking forward to where 2018 goes. Uh, we are dropping this show today, and then pretty soon this week we're going to have a show coming up on Black Panther. So we're moving right into 2018. Looking forward to to sharing that conversation with you, and then we'll be we'll be back up here pretty soon. But in the meantime, uh, thanks for listening to us today, and uh, we'll look forward to, to seeing you down the line. See you, Matt.